Hi, I'm Greg. And I'm Leanne. Welcome to Empowered Now, where we save humanity one, one relationship, relationship at a time. time. We all struggle from time to time connecting with and understanding others and ourselves. So we hope to encourage you to live a more authentic and empowered life by sharing what we've learned as coaches and as individuals. Empowered Now is LGBTQ2IA alternative lifestyle, poly and kink friendly. Thanks for joining us and, and enjoy, enjoy the, the show. show. Hi, friends. Welcome back to part two of our discussion about couples privilege in poly and CNM with our special guest, Michael Love. If you're interested in learning more about couples privilege and hierarchy, please go back to part one and have a listen. In this episode, we'll be discussing topics like veto power and unicorn hunting. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, one of the things that we were going to talk about today is uh, veto power. Yes. <laughs> oh, we get the long asses on that one. Yeah. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What's What's been your experience with that? Uh, you know, uh, again, this is a thing. Um, a lot, I think a lot of couples that come into non-monogamy, uh, as, particularly on the swinger side of things, um, <laughs> embrace that veto power like they embrace being able to have the ability to say you know i don't want you to be with that person um for whatever reason now there are sometimes yeah yeah sorry to interrupt but can i ask in the swinger community the veto power is quite common isn't it it is yes yeah that's not part of sort of i'm not a swinger Mm -hmm. i have swinger friends but um that's sort of part of the common vernacular when they're when they're in a club, in a situation, there's very much a, a, a veto for both people, I think. Right. Unless there's right. a DS dynamic or something like that in play. Not, not only that, not only is it common, but it's also a, a fetish too, right? There's hot wifing, mm-hmm. right? Where, where, um, where the husband or the, the, the male in the partnership will actually pick out partners for his female partner to have sex with. Well, in a DS community, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a yeah. DS community, it's, the it's same thing. It's kind of my jam. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So great. But, but that is in and of itself a form of veto because Absolutely. you're saying yes to this person and no to that person, even yeah. though your wife, even though, <laughs> even though your wife might find the other person hotter than that person that you picked. Right. She doesn't really have a say in it as long as that's consensual and agreed to. Before I don't know that, right? I don't we know always that that's have a say. Necessarily... We always have a say. <laughs> right. I was going to say, I don't know that that's necessarily quite the dynamic of how it works or at least not in my experience like um for me i enjoy watching my wife with other with other men like i just or or women too she's that's a relatively new thing but i enjoy watching that and sometimes being a part of that but for us i don't pick her partner she she Mm. does that she does that herself Mm -hmm. but where the veto comes in is when um swinger couples primarily when swinger couples are interacting in a club or in a party or something like that and and they only play together uh or maybe not necessarily playing together where you know one of the partners will be talking to someone and they'll be like Mm-mm, no they rub my fur the wrong way i i don't there's i do get a vibe from them i don't like it's the arbitrary vetoes that are that are difficult um and, and in cases like where ellie and i we were, she was more into the casual swinging, non-poly kind of connections where I was into the poly connections where veto gets to be a challenge. And we had veto in our relationship early on. It was one of our growth opportunities where we um, we learned, we, we had a situation where I was getting, it was, it was my first real love. It was the first serious girlfriend that I had. And, um, there were just aspects to her and our relationship that just Ellie didn't like. She felt threatened by. Um, and then we did a thing and that triggered Ellie. And she was like, no more. I can't see her anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm playing the veto card. And it was devastating to me. It was, here's this person that I'm in love with. And all I'm doing is doing things that I would do with the partner that I'm in love with. And now this person that is my life is now telling me that I can't see that person anymore. Like it's, it, it nearly ended our relationship. It nearly ended mine and Ellie's relationship because it, it was just so 
incredibly damaging. And we got through that. It took, it took a few weeks for us to get through that. And it was a lot of battling and a lot of communication, a lot of negotiation on a hell of a lot of tears. Um, but ultimately what it took was me taking a stand and saying, if we're going to go past this point, we don't have veto anymore. Um, I will never let you do this to me again. And, and we'll deal with the challenges that come up. We'll deal with the difficulties that come up, but this option is no longer on the table. In our life and in our in our journey, we look back at that moment, and it was a and it was a pivotal moment in our in our relationship, and it was kind of ground zero for us. And I look back at that and think having that rule was a mistake. Now I know there are a lot of people that have that rule in their relationship, even polyamorous people that are coming into this from a polyamorous perspective. They want to protect that core relationship, but the problem is, is that when it, it, it's, it's the nuclear bomb that you never want to use, mm -hmm. right? That's how we looked at it. It's a nuclear bomb you never want to use. But the problem is, is when you actually employ it because you can, the person that you hurt the worst is the person you care about the most. And it can be devastating for your relationship. And that's the part that people don't understand until they've lived through that moment that Ellie and I lived through. And um, it's a, I will say, I have, I talked to her before coming on here and wanted to make sure that I had her permission to share this story. Um, and she feels a lot of shame around this, but she also understands that this was a, this was a learning moment for us. It was an opportunity. It was a place where we grew from and and that's okay. It comes back to that. Give yourself permission to make mistakes. Give yourself permission to fail, grow from it, move on from it. And that's one of the things in our group that I really try to, to push with people is people will, wherever you are, whatever rules you have, wherever, whatever you've got going on in your life, that's where you are today. It's where you are today is not where you'll be tomorrow. And a year down the road, you'll look back at where you are today, like I did yesterday, and you're going to cringe. You're going to be like, oh, did I actually say that? Uh, and probably a year from now, I'll probably re look back at this video and go, oh, my God, did I say that? Really? <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's just it's part of it's part of the growth. And that's why in our group, we don't let people judge people for where they're at, because mm -hmm. where you are, where someone is right now is where they need to be right now. And they mm -hmm. have these rules, they have these things in place because that's what makes them feel safe. And hopefully my story of this will help somebody take an introspective look and say, you know, maybe this isn't such a great thing. I don't want to do this to my partner. I don't want to have this ground zero pivotal moment with my partner, what Michael said actually makes some sense. And mm -hmm. maybe we need to take another look at this veto thing and make sure that it's not something that's going to cause that kind of havoc in our lives. Yeah. Um, a beautiful story. Thank you so Thank much you for so sharing much. that. Like I had goosebumps. It was incredible. I really appreciate your vulnerability, Michael. Thank you. So I see you and I hear you. Thank you. Um, one of the things that I wanted to point out too was um, the impact that that veto power has on the other person. Of course, uh, yeah, yes, right. Absolutely. Like because they have no control. Like I know some of our listeners are probably going to be solo poly identifying, um, you know, and or people are they're going to be the the girlfriend in the the triad or or whatever your dynamic or how whatever definitions and terms you're using for your relationship. But you're going to be that person that's impacted by that veto power mm -hmm. and you have no say over it. And and that's why relationship autonomy is so fucking important to me is because I never want to find myself in a position where somebody that I love and care about is hurting somebody else that I love and care about. Right. And I can't and they can't do anything like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's no way to fight that. There's no way to, to you know, like and it's just not. It's, it's not compassionate, it's not kind, um, but I do understand why it's there, like you, I get it, because I had it too, like mm -hmm. I was in a 10-year 
marriage that started out as a BDSM relationship and it, it blossomed into a full on poly relationship and we had veto power. And like you, it got to the point where it's like, I can't do this anymore. Like it was literally a breaking point. I was like, this is not what we agreed to. Right. This is not who we are as people. And if we want to honor ourselves and our relationships, this is the way we need to move forward. And it broke our marriage up. But the reality is, is that it, it also made us better people because when we did come back together, we were able to find a way forward that was more in line with, with us as individuals and autonomous human beings. And it turns out the marriage didn't last, which frankly was a, 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 a wonderful gift that she gave me because, um, well, a host of reasons. But the reality is, is that that veto power had such a negative impact or such a hurtful impact rather on the other person. Right. And you're not even aware of that. Like, that's not even in your viewpoint at that point. All you're thinking about is, how do I protect myself? How do I keep myself safe? How do I, how do I make sure that I still feel secure and safe and, and, and that, that what I love and what I need is, is, is looked after and protected? Mm -hmm. Right? And that's, that's really all that's important in those moments. Mm-hmm. I, I want to I really, bring up. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Leanne. Sorry, I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> I want to bring up uh, the sort of ultimate uh, commonplace veto that happens that I see with a lot of people that I'm working with. So <clears throat> we have the uh, anchor partner or the nesting partner or the the um, marital partner, and they're having issues in their relationship, and mm. that's when the veto card is played right. and typically that is, that is, it blows everything up, right? right? Because we're already in struggle in our relationship and here you are willing to put me in a position where I have to hurt someone else that I care about and you're hurting me. Right. And that's, you know, like you said, the worst thing that could happen and you're already in the point where you're, not communicating well. There are broken agreements. There are things that need to be, you know, revamped, yeah. renegotiated, reinvented. We don't have the energy for that when we're, when we're wounded and, and, you know, like you said, devastated. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really awful to, to watch that. <laughs> um, so for, for me, um, that's when it's commonly played or the reverse, uh, you know, not the reverse really, but uh, the threatened party plays the veto card when the escalation happens in the other relationship. It's okay if you're having sex, but as soon as you have feelings for them, oh, right. now you can't see them. Right. Right. I, I think it all. Go ahead. Mike. One of the things. One of the things that's discussed in the group often around veto party, uh, veto power is. Some people talk about when they see actual harmful behaviors like drug mm -hmm. use, uh, excessive alcohol use, like like things that that are inherently unhealthy, and and to me that is a little bit more of an acceptable reason to have a veto. But then that's not really veto if you are having conversations around that. Right? Can I interject something into that? Sure. Yeah. So, so one of the one of the things that about being a relationship autonomous that comes up for me when I hear you say that is the difference between veto power and being autonomous about your relationships is this. So veto power would be, hey, look, that person's engaging in illegal drugs and it's impacting them, and I don't want you to get involved, so you need to stop seeing them. Right. That's veto power. Or I don't want to be impacted by that, or I don't want the cops showing up at my door, so that's veto power, right? So you need mm -hmm. to stop seeing them. That's, that's veto power. But the other way to look at it as autonomous is to make I statements and say, I'm uncomfortable with this relationship. I'm uncomfortable with, or I'm concerned that the cops are going to show up. So what is it that you're going to do to help mitigate those risks for me? Right. Right? As right. opposed to saying, you need to do this. Mm -hmm. So even if the behavior is damaging and hurtful, even if the behavior is um, illegal, you still have a right. You still, you can still say, look, you can still see that, like see that person, but just understand I'm not going to be here. Right. So, you I know, mean, it's not a veto thing per se. It's a very different way of communicating it. It's, it's like you're in your sovereignty as an individual and saying, exactly. I won't be 
Like this is a comes down to boundaries, your personal boundaries now, right? right? So I won't be in a relationship with someone who engages with illegal activities, abuse, um, any number Drugs. of negative things, right? So um, that's part of that's part of my work too. Is I work on boundary setting with people to develop what are your lists? You know, what is what is yeah. the line in the sand here for you? And you can negotiate those with yourself as you are progressing through a relationship. For example, if somebody somebody dabbles with illegal drugs and it's in your boundaries that you will have nothing to do with a relationship with someone who who does that, right? But then you see them, oh, you step away from it, they're no longer invested in it, they're, they're getting help or whatever. Oh, well then I'm okay to stay in this relationship, right? So yeah, that comes down to your sovereignty, your boundaries, yeah. Well, I think that uh, veto power in an, in, by the nature of veto power is anti-autonomy. Like if I'm right. vetoing in something that my partner is doing, if I'm playing a veto card or even having those, if I'm dictating to my partner that they can or can't do something based on some arbitrary thing, mm -hmm. that's, I'm not respecting her autonomy and mm -hmm. vice versa. And right. the people that have, but I really see this, I mean, being in the group every single day and seeing how people interact with each other and that sort of thing. The people that have veto power don't embrace autonomy. Uh, they come at it from a very couple centric point of view. And, mm -hmm. and it's where, and it may be that they will always be that way, but it may be just that's where they're at in their, in their journey that they need these rules now to have that. And, and, and that's okay if hopefully they're working past that. I think, I think, and that's a good point, Michael, because I think one of the things that, that we don't want people to do when they're listening to this, just like in the group, is we don't want them to feel judged if they do have veto power. Absolutely. So, so here's right. the thing with veto power. If you do have it and you do feel like you're in a place in your life where you need that in your relationships, be honest with the people that are coming into your relationships. Tell them that my wife has veto power over who I see. Tell them that my husband has veto power over who I see. And if they don't like you, then you're not in, period. Right. Right. Because that gives them, them the autonomy. Yeah. Give them the autonomy to make decisions for themselves based upon their boundaries and what they're comfortable with. We're talking informed right? consent, right? Exactly. I know exactly. And I what think... I'm signing up for in that case. You know, in general, we can't, things shift and change and we can't right. predict that it might, you know, happen. But if it does shift or change, I'm hoping that someone would tell me as well. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. I, I would also add to that. I mean, you're absolutely correct, Greg, that, that if that's where you are and where you need to be, then you should definitely tell people that are coming into your life that you have that dynamic. However, take a deeper step into that and find out why you need that. Ask yes, yourself, why absolutely. do I need... Why do I need to be able to have this control over my partner when I already have an amazing relationship with my partner? Why can't we talk about these stresses that might cause me to have to employ a veto card? And why, why just instead of having that veto, why don't we just have an agreement that says, hey, if I have a an issue with one of your relationships or one of your partners, let's agree to be able to sit down and talk about that. Mm -hmm. The question that comes up for me a lot when I talk about with this with my clients is, is it's a very simple question. It's what are you afraid of? Right. Or what are you trying to protect? Right? Mm -hmm. And those questions are often the same thing. I'm afraid of losing what? Well, I'm afraid of losing my partner. Or I'm afraid of losing my marriage. Or I'm afraid of this. Or I'm afraid of that. Or I'm trying to protect, you know, my feelings and not get hurt. Well, the reality is, is that you can't protect yourself from being hurt. You're going to get hurt. It's going to happen. Absolutely. So the issue isn't trying to protect yourself from being hurt. The issue is building up your resilience and being able to manage and navigate through that hurt mm -hmm. as it comes up. I have a thought that, that relates to that. And you'll, you're, you're going to love this. It's an analogy for me that relationships are like jello in your hand. And the tighter that you squeeze that relationship, the more it's going to squeeze out through your fingers. Uh, where that's kind of hot, you, actually. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> if you cup it you'll be able to hold it forever even better right thank you for that word cup it let's, let's, cup me 
Jello cupping. I don't know. Cupping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little turned on right now. <laughs> Turn the camera off for a sec. We might need a moment. <laughs> you guys keep going. Don't pay attention to any noises you might be hearing. Uh, Mute yourself, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't right. know this was going to be that kind of a podcast. All right. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's all kind of podcast. It's all. Um, <laughs> that's actually a really good point, though. That's a great analogy because the high, the tighter that you try to hold on to something mm -hmm. um the the less you know absolutely like it's just going to squirt out all over the place right wow <laughs> that was bad too. i say that, that with a straight face oh my god you guys <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, just move on yeah. it's a pity it's a pity there's like 1200 miles between us we could have yeah, a, right? you know we could have a lot of fun right i i think that i think you're right though i think that the harder we try to hold on to that and protect it. That's what I call it. like there's life affirming and life protecting emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And jealousy is a life protecting emotion. It's trying to protect us and keep us safe in some way. And I think that couples privilege as as a concept. Um, well, let me prescriptive couples privilege as a concept is all about protecting something. So what are you trying to protect? And once you've discovered what you're trying to protect, are there other ways that you can get that same sense of safety and comfort? and foundation that don't involve impacting other people in a negative way mm -hmm. or in a hurtful or damaging way. And ultimately, I think that's what all of this comes down to is I can think back on my personal experiences when I was veto powering or in couples privilege mode or, you know, had a shit ton of rules and stuff. It was all about trying to protect myself from getting hurt. Guess what? It didn't fucking work <laughs> right? because I got hurt anyway. Right. Yeah. Or I yeah. hurt people because of it, frankly, yeah. on the other end of it, right? I, I wanted what I wanted. I didn't know how to advocate for that. So I went out and I did it anyway, and I caused people harm, yep. myself True included, True right? Story. So if you can just, the, to those people that are listening out there right now that see autonomy as a threat, it is a threat. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely a threat to whatever you're trying to protect. Right. Because your ego, monkey, your brain weasels or whatever, aren't going to slow down long enough for you to be able to allow that to sit comfortably with you. And if you can just simply allow that to sit comfortably with you and recognize that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. Right. Even if shit goes sideways and everybody's hurt and we're all crying and bleeding all over the place, there's still a way to repair that. Even if it's not repairing the relationship, but you can repair yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. And you can build up a resilience through that. Well, more importantly. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. That's okay. I can keep going. I'm, I'm on a roll. <laughs> you and me both. Just cut me the uh, fuck off. It's fine. More, <laughs> more importantly, and this is one of the things, you know, when Ellie and I sit down and we talk and we, and when she's having her own brain whistle moments and that sort of thing. And, and what I tell her is the way that I get through these moments, you can build these barriers around your relationship to try and protect it which is doing harm to other people, but it's also doing harm to yourself and your own relationship. Or you can just be the best partner to that person that you can be. Protect that relationship by being the partner that your partner is never gonna wanna get rid of. Like you strive to be supportive and flexible and loving and caring, and they're never gonna find that with somebody else. I mean, they probably could, anybody is, you know, can, can be that. But if you are that pert to that person, why would they ever want to replace you? Mm -hmm. And well, yeah, go ahead. And, and, and I mean, and invest your energy into that rather than trying to control or or or, uh, or protect your relationship, because by doing that, you're improving your relationship and protecting it at the same time in a positive and affirmative kind of a way. Mm hmm. Yeah, the replaceability factor is something that people struggle with. Hey. A lot. Mm -hmm. I hear that mm -hmm. a lot. Um, what helps me when I feel replaceable <laughs> is to remind myself of, you know, each relationship has its own unique vibe, dynamic, right. individual connection points, history, um, experiences, and uh, I can't be replaced. <laughs> so that really does help me because, you know, Greg has a tendency to date really accomplished, beautiful women who are much younger than me. 
<laughs> Which is a very, trigger. It's very threatening, especially mm -hmm. I'm in my mid fifties. I'm, you know, getting to that place where I'm, you know, starting to feel like not so cute, but um, that's your cue. Absolutely, you are. Yeah, I, you. I didn't want to interrupt you, but <laughs> I, I didn't want to interrupt you either. But I'm I was just teasing. Just, so I am going. To, no, no, you've given me the opportunity. So I'm going to jump right in on this, just so you know. <laughs> you are, you are my rocking porch partner, and you always will be. Mm -hmm. Like I, you are that person that has made you. yourself invaluable to me. Um, and we've also discussed life. that there might be other people on the rocking porch with us, mm -hmm. but we know that we'll be there. And yes, um, we know it's a rocking porch, he, not a rocking chair. We're yeah, aware of that. Yeah, we, it's it, a just joke. Just work with us on, the, yeah, it's a joke. But anyway, but he's, your, he's that, your husband and he has to say that. And I'm not, and I'm just going to say, you're you're absolutely gorgeous. So oh I, I'm God. actually surprised to hear you say that you are over 50 because I wouldn't have guessed that. Oh, yes. So, I'm, I'm only very... except because you're with that old guy. I figured you probably might be, but. <laughs> <laughs> he's younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay now that is a surprise yeah that's true um so i just want to touch on a couple of other types of privilege that crop up for people that are kind of internalized like 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 having a history mm -hmm. i'm sure christina coming into your triad was kind of like clueless as to the in jokes right or the people that you were talking about, who are these people? Or, mm -hmm. you know, didn't know family members or friends as well, and so didn't have that history. So you and, and Ellie would have sort of a shorthand that you speak, right? Yeah. This is something that I'm working with in a triad right now, actually, um, mm -hmm. through the coaching. And so yeah. that's something that um, that people don't really get, right? They, right? they don't see it unless they're that person who's not been around that long, and they're like, I, I'm clueless as to what's happening in this conversation right now. So I would encourage you, if, if you're that person, to jump in there and say, who are those people? Tell me more. Right. You know, get curious mm -hmm. and, and involved rather than sitting back and feeling left out. And then if you're their partner, step forward and say, oh, yeah, we were talking about my cousin, da-da-da, and this is what they did that one time at the lake, you know. Right. Um, just to help them feel that they're part of the, the, the group, the conversation, catch them up. Yeah. I think also part of that too is, is, is maybe establishing regular check-ins mm -hmm. um, as, a, as, a, as a group and as individuals, right? You know, so if, if there's, a, a, if there's a, a new relationship happening um, in this triad or whatever, then, you know, hey, look, let's establish a regular check-in weekly. You know, we sit down and we, how are you feeling about this? Is there anything that you need from me to feel more comfortable here? Is there anything that, 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 that I need from you in order for you to feel more involved, right? So I think having those check-ins is a really good idea too. For because often, any partner. For any partner, right. But, but also, especially for, for those new relationships, right, that are forming while existing relationships are already in place, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes the partner doesn't, maybe they're introverted and maybe they don't know how to communicate that information mm -hmm. in the moment. Right. And so they just kind of pack it away. And then that slowly builds up a little bit of resentment or envy or jealousy or whatever. But if you give somebody the opportunity to put that out on the table, right. In a safe space and say, Hey, look, so, you know, is there anything in the last week that's come up for you? That's been challenging that you mm -hmm. want to share with me and that we can unpack together. And then, so when it happens again, I know how, if I'm in that moment, and I know that my partner, she's told me last week that, um, you know, they had a conversation about Johnny, the cousin, and she didn't know who that was. And she felt very left out. So the next time we have a conversation about another cousin, I'm going to look at my partner and say, yeah, so Annie is so-and-so, right? And, you know, so I'm going to take be a little bit more proactive about it, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Does that make sense? So this yeah, check-in can be really helpful. We don't know what we don't know, right? So it's great exactly. to have that time to check in. And it doesn't have to be all day. It can just be a you know, um, uh, 15 minutes or unless you're you know, us and then it's all unless day. Unless you're us. <laughs> Cause you're a talker. <laughs> yeah. We're both talkers. Um, it's actually, but, uh, you, you actually brought up something and, and it's something that we don't do that we probably could do more of. I mean, unfortunately we don't get a lot of time where all three of us are under the roof at the same time, mm -hmm. but, um, it's probably something that we could do better about is getting together the three of us and having a sit down check in to make sure that, you know, everything that's going on 
everything that's going on in Michael's world, particularly right now, um, it, it doesn't need to be discussed or, you know, talked about. Mm-hmm. We, we do a lot of this via Facebook Messenger and me being in that the little back, back and forth. And sometimes I don't know which one that I've told, you know, shared information with and that kind of thing. So being able to sit down and have a weekly uh, sit down would, would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I also recommend that you do it not just as a triad, but uh, but honoring the individual relationships too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the two meadows have that check-in with each other. You have a check-in with each of your partners, right? So you have that. So it's it's not just the three of you doing it, but it's also the each individual relationship. Because we do say, I mean, I don't know if you've heard this. I'm assuming you have, but there's seven relationships in a triad, right? Seven. The first seven. three are your individual relationships with yourself. Right. And then you and your established partner, you and your new partner, their relationship, and then all three of you together. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. So seven relationships, right? right? And so most people don't include the three relationships that you have as individuals with yourself right. in right. that in that arrangement. But that those are probably, in my opinion, the most important ones because those are the foundational relationships that build up everything else. Right. right. And so by having these check-ins. It really does help that. And you can do the check-in with yourself too. Journal. Like, what am I feeling? Yeah. yeah, the internal check-ins. What am I feeling? What do I need? Yeah. Right? How do I communicate that effectively, right? Right. Um, and then that also opens up, because the topic is couples privilege, that also opens you up to maybe some of those darker corners where the couples privilege might not be so obvious. Right. Am I, am I doing this, right? Am I actually, did I do that the other day? Fuck, earlier in this podcast, I did it. What did right? you do? Like, mm-hmm. I forget now, that's just the way my brain works, but I know I did it. Well, because I knew that, that in the moment, when, maybe it was my verbiage, maybe it was something in what I was saying, I don't remember. But I knew that in that moment, I was, I was Im- implying anyway, that there was a couple's privilege there. And it felt uncomfortable to me for some reason. So when I checked in with myself, I think I tried to acknowledge and own it, mm-hmm. you know? And then make sure that I don't do it again, right? And so sometimes it's a language thing, but language is always based upon our perception. So if it is our perception, then maybe I need to take a look at a deeper look at that and check in with that and just make sure that I'm not, that I'm honoring my alignment and my boundaries and the way I want to relate. I have a thought on that. Um, also, because, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking, I'm talking to people that may not fully embrace that autonomy or may, you know, that are embracing their couple's privilege. They're not thinking about this from a perspective of, of autonomy. But if you're checking in with yourself, it's going to start building that foundation of autonomy and, and making making you understand that your, your first and your most important relationship is the relationship that you have with yourself mm-hmm. and being exactly. able to... Um, form a sense of self. I think a lot of couples um, in monogamy and coming, you know, starting out into non-monogamy think very couple centrically and they think about themselves. They think about the couple as an entity and as the first entity and their individual selves, if it even exists at all, secondary. And, and it really should be the other way around if you're going to have a healthy non-codependent relationship. Yeah. We do exist individually, whether we acknowledge that or not. That's the point right is is that it is there but we get so absorbed in that codependency and that attachment to that unit idea right mm-hmm. um and that's and that can happen in non-monogamy too like mm-hmm. a consensual non-monogamy um where we get so attached to our different relationships that we're still not really in tune with who we are as an individual and i think that that can go a long way in in uh, disentangling, detangling, mm-hmm. whatever the word is, detangling, disentangling yourself from these biases and these narratives that create couples privilege, mm-hmm. especially the couples privilege that you might be blind to. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just want to wrap up with one very hot topic, which is unicorn hunting. Okay, so uh, Uh, full transparency. We've done it. Okay. I've been unicorn hunted. Um, I don't necessarily have uh, any any negative experiences to share around my experiences. Not at all. Um, For me, what was important was transparency, communication, navigating agreements uh, together 
as as the three of us rather than just the two of us coming down with these are the rules right um, we didn't do that, and I think that made it really healthy and and fun and and quite a great experience. So um, yeah, with the with the evil laughs from both of you, I'm sure there's some shares coming coming forward, Michael. Uh, so this is a really interesting topic in our group, and it's one that comes up a lot. And for me personally, just, for me, sorry, for me, Michael, I just want to. I just yeah. want to interrupt you for a second. Would you say that it's probably the most common topic? It, it, definitely one of the top three. Yeah. Yeah. Like probably that one in jealousy, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Couples, couples privilege and veto is right up there too. Um, right. Anyway, sorry. I, I just was curious. There was a time in my life when I subscribed to the poly, um, I'm going to use a word that I don't like, groupthink mentality to this. Um, we, we, as people, we form these little globules of people and these globules of ideas and philosophies. <laughs> and there is a lot of toxic behavior that exists in couples, uh, in, in unicorn hunting that is absolutely accurate. And is, it happens so frequently that it is almost accepted as this is the norm and this is why it's bad. And so for me, for a long time in my life, I was very much anti-unicorn hunting. I was very much like, that is like the devil of ethical non-monogamy, where I was like, that's not even ethical behavior. One of the things that I really love about what, where the direction we are going with this group is about how we preach, accept everyone, even people that you don't agree with their philosophies or their mindsets. And so unicorn hunters are actually welcome in our web in our in our group and can you explain what, what I love, that is what, for people? what's that can you explain for our listeners what that is unicorn what, hunting unicorn hunting unicorn hunting is where a couple seeks out a single female typically a single female um there are examples where they've sought out a single male um I think there's actually a different term for it, but I don't know. Dragon know hunting is, is, is the more accepted term. Although, yeah. why? Because there's there's male yeah, unicorns. I got, don't they, don't anyway. give me. Whoever decided that unicorns were female, like, you know, yeah, I want to be right. a fucking unicorn. Right. Yeah. We. Like, yeah. Anyway. Um, so the 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 toxic part of it is is that you have created this fictional place for a person that doesn't even exist yet. It's like, um, it would be like in monogamy, if I were to say, uh, I want to find myself a wife and she's going to be blonde haired and blue eyed and five two and gives great head and is going to be down for anal anytime I want it. Um, sorry <laughs> if that was too graphic for- No, uh, no, we're uh, explicit, don't to, worry. Feel free to bleep uh, that out if you need to. No, but if, if, I, I mean, if I were- anal sex. If we were, <laughs> if I were to do that as a male, looking for like trying to fill an exact niche i'm probably not ever going to find that person and what it, and she always she has to be subservient and she has to like to cook and clean and she has to be able to you know all these things michael this isn't like a, a seeking a partner kind of podcast you know that hey <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> michael just put his ad out <laughs> Exactly. For the record, exactly. I do the cooking in our household. But, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so, Michael, this so is not couple, okay, Cupid. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so the, the couple the, is the, looking for something that is very specific, a bisexual woman that's going to be attracted to both of them, want a relationship with both of them equally, and be equally. sexual yes. with okay. both of them all of the time, right? And and has to be okay with being, like, the, they ha she has to recognize that the couple is on a pedestal right. um, and anytime and anytime there is any kind of friction whatsoever usually they are bounced out the door and right. um and vetoed out of this situation or whatever and chances are and i've seen this a lot of times now there's these are this is a very very broad statement okay and there are people that adhere to there are people that are part of these things and not all of these things but oftentimes the couple engages with other people outside of the triad dynamic, but the unicorn is not allowed to. 
Um, mm -hmm. And there's usually some kind of limitations like that. Or um, they might they might insist upon their uh, exclusivity and give them exclusivity as well. Right. So it might not be that they have a privilege that they're not extending to that person, but they are taking away a privilege that that autonomous being should have decision-making power over. The taking away part of it is the part of it that's toxic. Yeah. It's to me, and this is a, this is a global statement across the board, whether you're talking about unicorn hunting, monogamy, non-monogamy, triads, quads, polycules, whatever, any time you are stepping into someone else's autonomy that is harmful behavior you are in control of everything that you can reach within your arm's reach this is what i'm in control of right here my wife she does her thing my girlfriend she does her thing i'm not in control of their decisions they do what they want to do with their time and so coming back you know bringing that back to unicorn hunting is when you start taking control of other people that's where problems can can be introduced into the equation. Now, as I was saying before, going into this, I felt like all unicorn hunters were the devil, like most poly people do. Like, it's just like, no, you don't do this because this is toxic as fuck. This is bad. You're controlling other people. And 99% of the time, that's true. But one of the things that I love about this group is by embracing everyone, we all get to learn from one another. And I have encountered some people that have been labeled as you. We've been labeled as unicorn hunters. Mm -hmm. We've been we've been labeled that, and we're we're not even an actual like triad. Like we're more of a V than a triad. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend is bisexual, but she, we don't all play together. But we have been lumped into that because we are an MFM or a FMF triad. And that's where the problem comes in is we make assumptions about other people's relationships. We make assumptions based on arbitrary facts and lump them all in, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Hmm. And so I have encountered closed triads, FMF triads, and I have encountered unicorn hunters who have negotiated their relationship in healthy ways so it's possible to be a unicorn hunter it's it's okay for you to say my wife and i my wife is bisexual i'm not bisexual i don't want to be with men um it is okay for those two people to say you know what what would really be great is if we had a third party in our relationship that we could have the interactions that we're looking for on a regular basis but in the interest of safety and security we kept that closed and if you communicate that with whomever that you're dating or whomever you, whomever you're connecting with, and it's all negotiated above board and it's and it's handled in healthy ways, it is possible to be in that dynamic without harm. Mm -hmm. Just one second. The key thing is you're never gonna have equity or equality. You're never going to have right. everything being equal all the way around the board. The connect, the connections, like you had said, I, I like to say relationships are as unique as a fingerprint. So mm -hmm. the different relationships that exist within that triad dynamic are all going to be different. And to expect them to all be equal is unreasonable. Ec striving for equity is important, but it's also important to recognize that the relationship that one person has with one person won't be the same as the other. And as long as that's understood in that dynamic and in that setup, then it's not necessarily a bad thing any more than monogamy is. Like monogamy, I could never be monogamous again, but when mm -hmm. a couple gets together in monogamy and they agree to be faithful to one another and exclusive to one another and they agree to be connected together that is not in and of itself a toxic situation and i think that adding a third person to that dynamic isn't necessarily a toxic situation either it's a lot of the structure that's built around that that can be harmful mm -hmm. that's my beautiful feeling. yeah that's beautiful thank you for sharing that um i will add to that 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 as long as it's not, um, uh, let's get these two mixed up. Um, as long as that's descriptive and not prescriptive. So in other words, 
you 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 acknowledge yes this is the way we're going to go into this all three people have agreed but then something changes a year from now right right, right. you know that and it has to be for any one of the three people and it has to you just have to be open yeah. and willing to renegotiate that right Flex flexibility right flexibility. you were saying yeah and and allow other people the autonomy flexibility so the keywords of today children are <laughs> flexibility autonomy you know yeah. like yeah Seriously, allows the other people the autonomy to be able to pursue those relationships in a way that works for them while still honoring the relationships that exist. So I think I think I completely agree with you that that like you, I used to think that unicorn hunting was horrible until I actually realized I was fucking doing it. Right. I didn't even know it. <laughs> right. Didn't even I was like, holy shit, I just fucking did that. Like and and but then once I realized that that number one, the way we did it was very above board. Right. Like we, we, we all sat down and we all had conversation after conversation and, and we negotiated what we, everybody was comfortable with and stuff. And I was like, okay, so we're all on the same page here. Mm -hmm. And when it changed, it changed. And we allowed that change to morph and, and move. Right. Right. And yep, so, absolutely. And, and so I think those are the keys, right? It's not necessarily right. that, that it's an inherently bad dynamic, but it does have some toxic traits to it just like couples privilege that you need to be aware of. Well, and I think the, the couples it. privilege is particularly prominent yeah, right. in unicorn hunting. So just be cognizant of it. Yeah, Michael. So the, the thing is, is we have, a, we, have a, uh, we have addressed this earlier that most people as they're, most people that are coming in the, into our group that are unicorn hunters are usually pretty new at non-monogamy. And, and, and if there's one thing that almost everyone that's coming into non-monogamy shares is they're stumbling into this without a clue of what they're doing. Right. And so uh, what happens is, is they sit over here in the corner with their couple and they negotiate their thing and they're like, we're going to do this and it's going to be this and it's going to be amazing. And then they just go forth and they try and do that. And if there's one thing that I really wish that I could get everyone to do is listen to the people that have been doing it for a while listen to the people who have the experience who have the understanding of how who have been where you are and have evolved past that and and hear what's being said and hear what's being so that whatever wherever your journey takes you you have some tools in your toolkit already. You don't have to make those mistakes and hurt yourselves and hurt your people and hurt the person that you love and hurt the people that you're interacting with. And it'll help you more authentically connect with the people that you're trying to connect with, whether you're unicorn hunting or whether you're trying to find a couple to connect with or a polycule or whatever it is you're trying to do. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think we're going to end there because that's okay. a perfect wrap up, I think. Hey. Hey. Yeah, it's a great way to wrap it up. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's been really great talking to you. I really, I have to tell you, you two are, you're kind of the, the model for our group experts in our group. I love the, I love the dialogue that you guys bring to the oh, group. And stop. The, and the advice that you guys bring is always absolutely perfect and i even love leanne's called me out a couple of times like you know i don't actually necessarily agree with that and it's like you know <laughs> Leanne, she's she's more than just really hot she's really smart too, <laughs> right <laughs> michael will be back on the show frequently and, uh, <laughs> you can find him here on... <laughs> uh, well thank you thank I appreciate you that that it's... means a lot to me actually because you know sometimes you're Honestly, I, I, I'm doing these posts early in the morning, late at night sometimes, and I'm just like, I think this is right. Does this seem right? <laughs> yeah, I'll reread it a couple times. I think that's right. Okay, we're sending it. Because um, I'm really driven to help, you know, people navigate through that difficult mm -hmm. time. And it is difficult. This is not an easy life to lead. No, it is not. In any way. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, relating thing. Um, it, it, the other thing too is, is that I, that is one of the reasons that, that the E&M group, the ethical non-monogamy group that you run is my favorite group is because of that openness and that expansiveness and that allowance for, for, um, discussion, right. And you don't always have to get it right. You don't, you know, like, 
Um, I just wish there were, frankly, I just wish that most other groups were the same way, you know, um, but uh, I'm just grateful and glad that that group is there for people. Right. Um, and so that when they do stumble upon it and they find it and it's like, oh my God, you know, you know, you don't tolerate judgment. You don't tolerate abuse or rude comments or, you know, um, dismissive comments or anything else like that. And I really appreciate that because that creates a safe container. Right. And that's what I think people need in this world. That really is the yeah. foundation of our group is kind, be kind. And, and you have to, you have to exercise kindness to people that you don't agree with. That's the hardest right. part, but it's also the most critical part. And right. Um, some people struggle with that. <laughs> a lot of people yeah. struggle with that. <laughs> some people think they're being kind, but they're actually not. Right. And then when it's pointed out that they're not being kind or that they could have maybe used a different, you know, language to, to bring that point across, then start to get defensive. And even that's not welcome. And that's really right. nice to hear and see. So anyway. Yeah. yeah. I could go yeah. on and on. <laughs> I have a client in eight minutes. So <laughs> we better let you go. I have a client in 38 minutes. Um, so we will put the link to your podcast. Yes. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, if you could send that to us um, and that. to the Facebook group on our on our little blurb that goes along with our podcast. Excellent. Yeah. And people can find you there and become part of your community because it's an awesome place to be. Honestly. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. Okay. Well, thank you again. And uh, we'll wrap up here. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Michael. And remember, choose love and keep it kind. We'd love to hear your comments, questions, or topic suggestions. And remember to subscribe. And you're invited to join our Facebook group, Empowered Now Relationship Support and Advice for All. You can reach out to us on our websites at gregmillion.com and leannemillion.com or follow us on Instagram at gregmillion.lifecoach and at Leanne Million. And remember, choose love. <laughs> Want to do that again? Yeah. <laughs> this is our tagline. <laughs> and Greg was somewhere else. <laughs> wakey, wakey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember, 